Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Coffee Talk. If you've just joined us, Coffee Talks are the short in-between episodes where we read your users' submitted stories, hang out with friends, talk about whip- whippy. I did it again. Whippy, <laughs> witchy pop culture. <laughs> chat with you about what's going on in our personal practice (laughs) and if you want to be featured on coffee talk email us at submissions at coffeeincauldrons.com or you can send us your submission on our website coffeeincauldrons.com you can send us your tips your ghost stories or any kind of funny story you think the community would love to hear we are especially looking for any like holiday like ghost stories right now or holiday holiday tips or tricks (laughs) but be sure to let us know if we can share your name or if you'd prefer to stay anonymous (laughs) your social media usernames are also a great way to get credit so if you guys can't already tell i'm in a very different space you might hear my kid in the background cooing or speaking hopefully not too much um, because I am currently in Australia and with that being said I'm with my best friend Ash who is uh, like a professional yoga instructor she is a uh, how do you word it an assisted carried oh support worker support worker thank you (laughs) and she's gotten really into uh, neurofeedback so we thought we could hang out with her today she could tell us a little bit about that Ash, do you want to say hello to everyone? Hi. <laughs> Thanks for hello. having me on your show, guys. <laughs> Thanks for being here with us. Yeah, thank you. I didn't give you much of a choice. <laughs> Robin's like, you're doing this, okay? Basically. Okay. I was like, this will be fun. Well, I just want to start by saying I don't normally sound like this. Oh, yeah. A bit of stuff going on. Robin has brought the plague into my home. <laughs> We're all a bit sick. Um, plague upon my family. Um, and we're Robin's all a plague rat. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Listen, I was, on, I was on a plane. I got sick on the plane. I thought it was just altitude pressure on my nose. Turns out, got a full-blown sinus infection. Gave it to everyone. <laughs> so, you know, we're thriving. We're living our best lives. What matters is, is that nobody was dying during the wedding itself. Oh, yeah. Right. Because Ashley just got married. That's why I'm here. P.S. P.S. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It was, it was wonderful. And it was honestly the biggest gift for Robin to be here for it. And yeah, I'm a gift. It's I true. Mean, everybody at the wedding was saying. Oh, my. Yeah, actually. <laughs> So we're at the wedding, right? Ash's mm-hmm. mom is like the sweetest baby angel that ever lived. Huge Jill fan. If you're listening, Jill, love you so much. Um, and we'd all been having a couple of drinks. And everybody at this wedding kept coming up to me and being like, it's just so amazing that you're here. It's just, wow, what a gift. So incredible. And so I said to Jill, I was like, I didn't donate my kidney. I just got on a plane. Like, relax. Yeah, <laughs> and, mom, you. And Jill goes, Jill goes, she's not the golden goddess that she thinks she is, everybody. <laughs> started telling everybody that. And it was so funny. <laughs> and here's Robin in her gold sequin jumpsuit. Exactly. I was, that, that was why she called it golden. I'm like sticking out like a sore thumb with my super metallic outfit. And everybody's walking up to me going, it's just so amazing. You're so incredible for doing that. And I'm like, it's a great speech, amazing speech, got a few laughs. 
And yeah, it was a good time. It was. I had a great time. It was a beautiful wedding too. Yeah, it was, was great. I got to make fun of um, her now husband's uh, career. I got to call him a mermaid, which was so fun. Um, I just really <laughs> 10 out of 10. Would do again. Yeah, it was a big love fest. Yeah, it was <laughs> a do huge again. love fest. <laughs> so yeah, totally sidetracked on that, but um, that's fine. We're on no. a coffee talk. <laughs> yeah, so I will. I, will I do my little intro now? Yes. Oh yeah, introduce yeah. yourself. Now that we told everyone that you got married. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm an aerial yoga teacher. Um, I am also a disability support worker. Um, I am studying counselling, um, and I'm a trained neurofeedback technician as well. And each of those things has sort of led into the other, um, which has been amazing. So it's been quite a journey to get to where I am now in my career. And I feel like, um, yeah, I'm at a stage where I'm just really enjoying what I'm doing and all the pieces are coming together and yeah, I love it. So I sort of use the, I use the aerial yoga with, um, the neurofeedback with clients, um, as well as obviously, um, the counseling in the future is going to create a really mm-hmm. holistic, um, yeah, experience. Yeah. Cause if you think I'm crunchy, you should meet Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that sounds amazing. Like sign me up. She does brain scans. How fun is that? Yeah. So, neuro, no, so neurofeedback is basically, um, kind of think of it like brain gym. It's training the different, um, frequencies of the brain. Um, either to be faster or slower, so to either um, be rewarded and increase those neural pathways or to inhibit um, other frequencies. And this is for things like anxiety and stuff, right? Yeah, so it's used, it can honestly be used for pretty much anything because we all have brains and we all use them. And Some of us more than others. Yeah, that is true. Um <laughs> But it's it's very um, it's very commonly used um, in the disability sector. Um, it's mm-hmm. used for people um, for autistic people, um, any sort of neurodivergence. It's also very popular or commonly used um, with like sport performance. Um, mm-hmm. So professional um, athletes will use neurofeedback mm-hmm. to increase their performance. Um, NASA uses it. Really? Um, yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. CEOs use it to, yeah, just increase their, um, yeah, their capacity and performance. It's really interesting. Is it like white noise or like brown noise or is it like specific words that like get repeated? So, okay, I'll kind of run you through what my clinic looks like. So I work okay. with a team of psychologists because it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to explain unless you've kind of witnessed it, um, mm-hmm. but I'll do my best. <laughs> I'm still quite new at this as well. So I did my training in August um, and mm-hmm. I've been practicing with the clinic since then, basically. Um, so it's still quite fresh and I'm learning lots and lots um, as I take on clients and, and practice with them, but I'm practicing under, under the supervision of um, qualified psychologists. Um, so in our clinic, we've got, it's a beautiful space. Um, we're working with primarily um, autistic and ADHD families. 
Um, so there's lots of beautiful little sensory spaces, chill out spaces. Um, there's also the actual psychologist rooms, just traditional psychology. And then we've got the two neurofeedback rooms, which um, are able to be basically blacked out. They're not soundproof yet, although ideally they would be. Um, mm -hmm. Because how the neurofeedback works is rewarding um, through an auditory and visual um, reward system. So it actually works through operant conditioning. You know Pavlov's dog? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The ring the bell, the dog mm -hmm. salivates. Um, it knows it's going to be fed. Even when the food's not there, you ring the bell, it still salivates because the brain has learned that that sound, that little bell, means a meal is coming. Huh. So neurofeedback mm. works in a very similar way. Um, every time, so we, the client comes into the room, sits down in the chair, it's nice and dark and cozy. Um, we prep the client, hook them up to these little sensors. So they're just little um, sensors that sit on particular areas of the skull, of the scalp. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's reading the electromagnetic signal, the EEG, um, mm -hmm. from the brain. So these sensors are not putting anything into your brain. They're just reading mm -hmm. what is coming out already, what you're naturally producing. So then um, how does it do the reward? So as it's reading what frequencies, it, it reads um, four main frequencies. Okay. So your brain produces all different frequencies of waves. Um, but the main ones are delta. Mm -hmm. Delta is your sleep wave. So when you're asleep, your brain is producing a lot of delta wave. Okay. The slightly faster one up from that is theta. Mm -hmm. Theta is also a sleepy wave, but you do produce some theta when you're awake. Um, it's one that you produce when you meditate or you're sort of just drifting off to sleep in those mm -hmm. early stages of sleep. Um, it's mm -hmm. also a very creative brainwave. Mm -hmm. So when you're in that sort of creative flow zone, you yeah. most likely see a bit more theta. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got alpha, which is, um, again, a little bit faster. Alpha is sort of that middle one where you're awake, you're alert, but you're calm. That's also one that you train for with meditation. So you produce more alpha when you meditate. Mm -hmm. um, everyone produces more alpha. As soon as your eyes are closed, your alpha will spike, will go up. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Robin just closed her eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's I feel one, alpha now. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's sort of like your internal, um, it's like an inward space. If you have a lot of alpha, you're, you might feel a bit more internalized, less aware of what's going on in the outside world and more aware of what's happening within your own self. Hmm. Um, and then we have SMR beta so or a slow beta honestly sounds like a bunch of um fraternities your brain <laughs> yeah. is just functioning as it a... does <laughs> alpha beta alpha beta zeta I mean, obviously i recognize <laughs> that these are like classic latin words but it still sounds like you know, yeah my brain is just like a bunch of sorority or fraternities hanging out <laughs> That's it, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so your, your SMR beta or your slow beta is like your focused alert, um, but still still calm. So when we do neurofeedback, that's the one that we're rewarding um, mainly. I mean, you can get really complicated and go into it and reward different frequencies, but as like a baseline, we're rewarding slow beta. 
Um, the one above that is your high beta. And that's the mm-hmm. one that you need for like really concentrating on, um, you know, like doing difficult maths problems or, um, yeah, you're just at work and you're, you're working on a project or a task and you need that uh, more focused concentration. And that's where your high beta mm-hmm. comes into play. Um, so we all have all these brainwaves all the time. They're fluctuating. Um, and the idea of neurofeedback is to allow that flexibility to move between the different brainwaves because obviously if you have a lot of your sleepy brainwaves when you're trying to focus on a task at work, that's that's not going to help you. Or if you have a lot of um, high beta when you're trying to go to sleep and you're feeling really wired, you know, we don't want that either. Right. So All the time. we're measuring. <laughs> so yeah. what you're saying is. And you'd actually see that the, the different brainwaves can mean a lot of different things. So you will also see muscle tension in high beta. So one thing I really like to do with clients um, once they're hooked up to the system mm-hmm. is to get them to watch. You can see your brainwaves on the screen and they'll watch their, their different frequencies and I'll get them to clench their jaw or tighten their muscles and they'll see the mm-hmm. really big spike in brainwaves um, or, you know, blink their eyes. Any sort of muscle movement, it will show on your EEG, which is your huh. your frequent brainwave frequencies. I mean, that makes sense. Your brain is what controls your muscles, yeah. so that does make sense. Your brain controls everything, literally yeah. everything. So, yeah, it's really fascinating. And there's, there's so much. Um, I'll yeah, do this while we're here. I want to get my brain So that's why, scanned. like, meditation yeah. and, like, staying still and loosening your muscles and stuff like that can aid, like, anxiety and making you, like, chill out. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So with neurofeedback, when we're rewarding a certain frequency, which is that yeah. slower but still alert, calm but alert frequency, mm-hmm. um, where create so it's rewarding with the beep so again coming back to pavlov's dog that operant conditioning right right, right. every time your brainwave is within a certain so your smr that beta one that we're training it's within a certain mm-hmm. threshold so imagine it like there's a little train track and your waves are going up and down inside this train track mm-hmm. and every time your brainwaves stay inside the lines inside that train track as well as the other brain waves are, sorry, I got that mixed up. You want the one that you're training to go outside the train track. <laughs> I'm really good at my job. <laughs> so the one that you're training. Back, I don't think I want my brain scan. <laughs> you're recalling a lot of information, so you know. Yeah, no, yeah, this is like a lot of really good information. Yeah. So the is. one that you're training, the one that you're training, you want to be bigger. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> no it's adorable um, and the don't ones, apologize the other ones <laughs> you want to inhibit so that like anxiety brainwave or that really high stress brainwave you want that to stay inside the train tracks we, mm. we want that to be smaller um mm-hmm. same with the delta and theta which are your daydreamy brainwaves which i fondly refer to as adhd brainwaves mm. um <laughs> We also want those to stay inside the train tracks. So they're inhibited. So every time those three things match up, you've got the two inhibits and the one reward. Mm -hmm. Every time those are aligned, the client will hear a beep. They'll they'll hear a beep and then they'll see on the screen. So there's a TV screen um, Mm -hmm. that they're looking at. 
and there's a bunch of different games that they can play but they're not like regular video games they're specifically designed for neurofeedback mm-hmm. and they will see that they progress one one step in their game so that's the visual reward mm-hmm. and then you've got the beep for the auditory reward and for whatever reason the brain really likes that hmm. it goes oh yeah I, I want that again and so it will start oh, wow. to figure out okay this is what I have to do this is the frequency that I have to create to get that beep and to get that visual progression in the game um and your brain just learns that way. It's a it's a learning system. I wonder too, and I'm there. I don't think there's an answer to this. Obviously, um, this is one of them hypotheticals because it. I, yeah. Anyway, it was when Maria mentioned earlier about like how meditation like can kind of like relax your anxiety and stuff like that too. I wonder if like going off the brainwaves thing, if that's also why like when we meditate, we're more open to things like messages, spiritual communication and stuff like that. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Consent. Like I was going to like ask kind of the same question, like what type of brainwave would you want for like intuition? Could we use that sort of program yeah, to boost intuition? That so interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, that would be so fascinating. Like, if, like, I mean, obviously, this is all again very hypothetical. It's not like you know anybody is like can, ready for a seven week trial on this. Um, but that would be so interesting, wouldn't it? To like test somebody in this sort of capacity mm-hmm. while doing kind of things like guided meditations, like you know the ones that we do in the Patreon, Maria, that are like yeah um like meet your spirit guides and stuff like that i mm-hmm. wonder what that would look like like under yeah. a brain scan oh absolutely exactly. that yeah. would be fascinating so in while you're meditating you would see more alpha mm-hmm. and more theta mm-hmm. but the thing is you want a balance of all of them sure so if you have an excess that's a high performing human being <laughs> yeah yeah if you ha- if you have an excess of any of the waves um, or a deficiency of any of the waves, then you're going to notice that in your body. It's going to show up in different ways, different mm-hmm. symptoms. Like anxiety, yeah. Muscle, yeah. muscle tension, those sort of things, yes. or even scattered yeah. brain. Yes, absolutely. Totally. Yeah, not being able to focus um, or not being able to sleep. You know what? I take it back. I really don't want to get this brain scan. They're going to tell me I'm crazy. Not crazy. They're going to tell me that I'm very imbalanced and I will not be here to do anything about it. So what's Robin is saying is that she has a problem and she doesn't want to solve it. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what I'm thinking. So, so that's, much. Where, that's where the counseling comes in as well. And it's such a beautiful, like holistic experience. You have, yeah. you have and counseling, I, and Robin. I'm not qualified to do this yet. So this is not what I'm practicing, yeah. but in the future, um, yeah. we would do the neurofeedback session. And right. then afterwards you have a chat and you talk about what comes up. Mm. And I've actually found in my experience, my own personal experience, because yeah, I'm, say, you've done this. I've been doing neurofeedback on myself um, since August this year. Um, mm-hmm. and, on other clients, and I've noticed it in a, pretty much every client as well that I do calming with. So we, you can kind of, just again, very, very um, generalizing here, but you can either do activating protocols or calming protocols. Mm. And there's a lot of different what, variation what between that. What scenario would you be in that you would want to activate? Like, um, Well, I'll get to that. Later. Okay, okay. But with the calming protocol, I have noticed 
again, in myself, I'm with clients. Um, after you do some calming, everyone gets really chatty. Um, yeah, so we'd finish the session and just very naturally people will start talking about just things that are going on in their life. Um, I found the same when I do my calming protocol. Um, I'll talk to my colleagues for ages afterwards and we'll get into some really like, you know, sometimes some heavy stuff, but it's in an environment that allows that and is they're able to hold space for that. Um, yeah, it's just a really beautiful experience. Um, I've really enjoyed it. So yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Passionate about it too, which is very cool. <laughs> I remember when you were doing it yourself, and you were like, "I just did this," and it was like overwhelming in a good way. <laughs> yeah. So, so when I was doing my training, um, mm-hmm. it was it was an intensive course. It was a four day course, um, and at the end of each day, we were doing a practical where we do um, some neurofeedback training on ourselves. Um, with mm-hmm. the with the group, so it's all it's all live um, and led by the mentor. Um, so I was doing each practical session for ourselves was nine minutes. So we're essentially doing nine minutes of neurofeedback um, every day for four days. Um, I've since learned that my system is very sensitive to neurofeedback and only needs about three minutes at most, at least initially. I've sort of built up. Um, more of a tolerance to it, which is what happens. She was actually. zooted. She was completely zooted <laughs> at the end of each thing. I was also really she would like send selfies afterwards, <laughs> and you can you know like when somebody has like that glazed over look in their eye where they've just like are processing a lot. <laughs> I was doing I was doing activating on myself. So when clients come in, they do they fill out um, a bunch of forms, and one of them mm-hmm. is an arousal assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not when you think it is. I do think Valentine. it is what I think it is, but anyway. <laughs> so when we're talking about arousal levels, we're talking about um, that activation or um, calming, the opposite of activation. Yeah. So um, you can basically think of it as like anxiety on one end, depression on the other end. Okay. If, if we're talking, yeah, okay. you know, mental health um, sure. conditions. Yeah. So when I did my arousal assessment, I ticked a lot of boxes that said I was under aroused. That's mm-hmm. what you typically see with ADHD. I didn't know this mm-hmm. at the time. <laughs> so to me, I was like, oh, I'm going to do the activating protocol. It's going to give me more energy. It's going to make me mm-hmm. feel more confident. So that's also one of the brilliant things I love about um, activating is mm-hmm. it gives you a bit of an ego boost and it, it gives you just that bit of an edge of confidence. And I was like, I need that. So I was gung ho for activating. I did nine minutes on the first day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt okay. Um, some stuff came up, um, but I felt pretty good. So I did it again the next day. Um, and I mean, yeah, I was taking basically like vlogs. I was doing like video entries and sending them to Robin Mm -hmm. after each night um, talking about my experience. By the third day, um, I still did activating. I did less. I I think I did six minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, But after that, I had a really bad reaction to the activating. I had overloaded my system um, because what I didn't recognize was the amount of anxiety that I actually have and was ignoring because I also dissociate. Um, mm-hmm. That's my stress response to dissociate. So I wasn't connected or aware of 
the high level of anxiety that I was already experiencing. And if you think about activate, when you activate, you're kind of just amping up anything that's already there. Right. So if you have, for example, um, any sort of inflammatory um, disease or condition, you absolutely do not want to activate because that's going to exacerbate the inflammation. So things like endometriosis, um, fibromyalgia. So maybe not good for you. Yeah. But obviously also anxiety, anything anxiety related. You want to do calming. Mm -hmm. You want to do the opposite. Um, So what my colleague had said to me after my extreme reaction, which I won't go into because it was very personal to me um, and also very uncommon. But what my colleague said to me was that activating for me was basically like um, being extremely anxious and then Mm -hmm. drinking 10 coffees and then doing a bunch of blow. Wow. And my body was just like, nope, (laughs) no, thank you. Um, Yeah. So once I started doing the calming, um, everything shifted. Surprise, shorty. And then I bet like some people are like, well, that sounds like a great time. What are you talking about? (laughs) Those people and I would fundamentally not understand one another. No. (laughs) What was really interesting was love that for them. Love that they can be like that. I cannot. No, not for me. Yeah. Um, but what was even more interesting was when the suggestion of doing calming was presented mm-hmm. to me, I freaked out. I really, I Why? really, I, I was, I was genuinely scared. Wow. Um, because for me being productive and being alert and active and at that peak anxiety, is what I'm used to and it's where it's it's how I it's how I know how to operate so I'm feeling myself get called out with this yep <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah no Robin 100 percent Robin thrives in anxiety yeah everybody don't you worry about how productive I am all right <laughs> well for me it was like I have I've in my mind I'm like I've got a million things to do I've got to make, I've got to be alert all the time. I've mm-hmm. got to be hypervigilant. I've got to be at that activated peak. And mm-hmm. I've got all these things that I need to take care of. And you want me to relax? You want me right. to calm down? Right. I can't do that. Yeah. Like, that's not safe. That's, that's right. just not safe. And especially like as a mom. Yeah. Part, a huge mm-hmm. part of being a parent is being alert and being aware of every single Even possible Even while you're sleeping. Exactly. Yes. So yeah, the suggestion to do some calming at first, I had a very bodily reaction. Um, It just felt unsafe to do it. Which does make sense. Like it makes perfect sense. Yeah. But then Mm -hmm. I did it. I took it really slowly. So I actually started off with, um, it was a calming protocol, but it was from a central location in, from the brain. Um, I was going, it was doing calming from the midline. Um, and from there, I've actually stayed with that protocol. So when you do calming, you generally use, um, you're training the right side of the brain, the right hemisphere. Mm-hmm. When you're doing activating, you're training the left hemisphere. Hmm. Um, so the sensors that, the sensor placements that I use are right on top of my head hmm. um, yeah. and then my right ear. So generally when you're doing calming, you'd find a, there's a spot 
and again, I, I can't really explain without showing you, but there's a spot on the um, right side of the head that you use and then um, also referencing to the right earlobe. Hmm. So I've always been going from right on top of my head and to the right side. And it's just kind of a more balanced um, protocol. To calm. And I love it. I've been doing that how for many parents, I would assume most of us, are like that. Just like in a high-functioning level of alert and anxiety. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Oh, yeah. And that's and, why a lot of people have problems meditating and stuff like that. Because they always have right. to feel like they have to be on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the irony is that once I started doing calming, I actually felt more energized because I wasn't dissociating and I wasn't spending all of my energy um, being hypervigilant. Yeah. And your cortisol has to be super low too. Yeah. Yep. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I've, I've had a lot of clarity. All right. I circle back around. You can scan my brain. (laughs) (laughs) I actually really wanted to do to have Robin hooked up to the EEG for this episode, um, but it didn't work out. But eventually, but then life got in the way. Life got in the you way. You should do videos. Oh. Do videos. I'm gonna post them to Coffee and Cauldrons. <gasps> oh, that would be fun. We could yeah. on Patreon. We could. Yeah, that would be fun. Watch this face. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's cool. I mean, okay, so I have a question for you. Because I do know that you do things like meditating all the time. I literally watched you doing it um, in the bus on the way to your wedding. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I was actually thinking about sitting in the chair in the clinic and um, visualizing those calm brainwaves and and act yeah activating that those neural pathways i'm like i know they're there i've trained them i've trained them up i know they're there i just need to access them so um have you found since you started to do this that there is a like a bigger space for you in terms of meditation that is easier or um yes and no because i'm still i'm more aware of it i mm-hmm. feel a lot more aware of myself and what's going on around me and my own fluctuations mm-hmm. but I am still very new at it sure and like any sort of training like when you're going to the gym and training a certain muscle or whatever mm-hmm. it takes time to build sure. up yeah um and it wears off after a little while so when you go for a neurofeedback session whether it's three minutes like I was doing or 10 minutes or even, you know, 20, 30 minutes, some clients do. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty crazy the the variation of yeah. human brains and, and what, what they need and what they can It is and it isn't. <laughs> yeah. Um I would it, be so interested in scanning the brains of people who claim to be super enlightened in our community. Do you know what I mean, Maria? Mm-hmm. Like, people that like are just like think they're so much better than everybody else and there's like the not I'm not even talking about like high priests or high priestesses but like the people that are like you know I am enlightened my third eye is awake like I would be so curious to know what's going on there it's it's funny because that's a really common question that comes up um, people asking, oh, well, can you detect like narcissists or, sure, yeah. um, you know, yeah. people with huge egos or that sort of thing? Um, short answer is no, you can't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there, are, 
I would like even okay so even beyond that sort of thing yeah mm-hmm. I think there is definitely got to be something going on if you're so confident in that sort of thing yeah. in terms of like your anxiety and self-expression yeah. and like what things make you come so when you talk about like that like uh idea of the railroad track yeah right I wonder mm-hmm. where they fall in that kind of spectrum and like what's kind of deeper going on there because we all know yeah. they're not enlightened actually Enlightened people don't have to tell you they're enlightened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you would potentially see not a lot of alpha. Um, yeah. Maybe not, a, you'd see more of those higher brainwaves, the fast, sure. sorry, faster brainwaves. Sure. Um, yeah. But it's, it's so, there's so many different things that it there, can There's mean. so many factors, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just, just like a curious, yeah. a curious thought. <laughs> But I definitely want to see that video of Robin hooked up. That would be oh, amazing. Yeah. I think we're, we're going to have to f- try to make that work somehow. We'll, yeah, we'll find fun. some time. I would do it. Um, but yeah, coming back to meditation. Um, yeah, there's you do see increased theta, which is that I call it the daydreamy brainwave. Mm-hmm. Um, increased theta when um, you're meditating, or when there's mm-hmm. um, you know visualization or just that deep thinking. You see more theta. Um, also in yoga nidra, um, which is, I don't know if you guys are familiar with yoga nidra. It's like that um, it translates to yoga sleep, which is a type of meditation. It's an awake meditation, but with eyes closed. And it's sort of the in-between space between awakeness and asleep. That's cool. um, yeah. So you see a lot of theta there. Um the limbic system operates on theta waves and yeah, your limbic system is connected to um, your emotions, your memory. So more of that intuitive um, space you guys mm-hmm. were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay. Well, wrapping it up then, um, if people wanted to look more into this sort of thing, could mm-hmm. you give them kind of a direction to point to where they could like, like if, if I were going to Google it, I'm listening right now. I don't have any resources. What would I look up to kind of get more information about this? Um, look up NIA. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. The yeah Institute for Applied Neuroscience. And I'll put um, this in the caption as well for people listening. Yes. Um, there's some really good resources out there just online. Um, if you search for neurofeedback, um, obviously, I mean, you guys know how to look for good sources. Not really I've, never, like, no. I've never, I've no never idea. looked up something I in my entire life. Org. I'm sure so. your listeners know how to Google my, I don't, I actually don't post a lot on Instagram um, anymore these days, but when I have a second of time, um, I will be sharing more about neurofeedback um, and my experience with it. Um, I love those sort of personal stories. And so yeah. I'm really keen to use my platform for that sort of stuff. The anecdotal, um, yeah, it's just, I yeah. find it really interesting. Amazing. Um, so yeah, my Instagram is um, rhizome.yoga.support, which will also be in the caption. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That's it, really. Amazing. Thanks well, for thanks for thanks yeah. for being here with us. Yeah, that um, was really interesting. I didn't know about any of this. Yeah, it's so fascinating, right? Yes. <laughs> now I'm like, wizard. maybe I should get something done for my ADD. 
and my yeah, anxiety. Yeah, but she did say about the uh, endo <laughs> endometriosis. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. tread carefully. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, your feedback can help with um, those endo symptoms as well. Oh, That's that what I would nice. start with. Yeah. Mm, yes, please. Yeah. I'll do anything. <laughs> Well, thank you all so much for joining us this week for Coffee Talk. We hope that we will see you next week for our regular episode. And thank you, Ash, for being here today. Thank you. You can check out our website for links to our submission forms, or you can shoot us an email at submissions at coffeeandcauldrons.com to tell us any ghost stories, witchy stories, tips, or topics that you think that the community would love to hear. And as always, if you enjoy Coffee and Cauldrons, please take a moment to review us on Apple Podcasts. Or if you want to support us support us directly, consider joining us on Patreon, where we share articles, special part two exclusive episodes, a spell of the month box, a class, and a Discord. There's so much happening over there, guys. <laughs> yeah. And our class for December is Claire Goodchild. So you guys yes. don't want to miss that. You're going to do a so. class on seances. How fun is that? <laughs> yeah. And on the Discord, we're going to do a waning moon spell for the Leo waning moon, which I think will be very good. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. <laughs> All right. Well, see you next time. Yep. Bye. Thank Bye. you for joining us. <laughs> Thank <laughs> <laughs> you.